Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. One Foxtrot, stand by for unit two Bravo to back you up. Stay where you are, Patty Jean. When I was an MP at the Presidio, she was my partner. What we've got here is a multi-jurisdictional investigation involving the cooperation of the Army and the San Francisco Police Department. Now, I'm the police part, sir. I was prepared to cut you a little slack because of Patty Jean, so I'll let you do your dirty Harry invitation when your time's up. So listen real good to what I'm going to tell you. This is my command here. You watch your mouth and you're here. Do you understand me? Yes, sir. Deal with CIA. One man held by honor. You knew. You damn knew. The other, driven by justice. You have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. And a woman, torn between them both. Sean Connery, Mark Harmon, Meg Ryan. The Presidio. My notes, I have thoughts on the Presidio. Good. Ready? Let's go. Hello and welcome to Smash Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate, you know, just aren't asked about them, hosted by me, John Rain. This week we'll be heading to the mean streets of San Francisco to solve a series of murders that cross jurisdictions. Yes, it's very exciting. There'll be water drama, scenes of a sexual nature and lethal fingers. And joining me to have a drink on the roof is comedian and professional Welshman Dan Thomas. Oh, good evening. Hello, everyone. How are good you? Evening. We were just saying off air, as, we, as we're recording right now, America's falling apart. And I've just seen a tweet where the Fonz has, asked, has called for Trump to be hung from a lamppost. God <laughs> willing, yeah. by the time this goes out, yeah. no one will know what we're talking about because peace will have reigned. People won't yeah. even remember Trump. Henry Winkler will now be president <laughs> somehow. Hey! 
Oh, uh, but tonight, uh, I, mm. I, I, I'm not much of a gin drinker, but it's the only booze in the house, and I thought, fuck it, if I'm going to be in the mood for a podcast, I'm pouring myself a large one. Oh, I've got all my beer left over from New Year's, so I'm, I'm, I'm having... It must have gone beer. flat by now. Oh, yeah. That's, I hadn't opened it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was thinking of you the other day, because I was watching Batman Returns with my son. Yeah. And it's obviously a packed a fuller Walken. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wish I could give you more than expensive baubles. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. I don't think it's very good. Really? Yeah. Mm. No, I've, I think I've realised for some time that it's not actually a very good film. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Batman Returns. We're here to talk <laughs> about the Presidio, which is more exciting, I think. Bloody hell, because I, I remember this as being one of the blander ones. Hmm. Of, and I'm, so I haven't seen Batman in a while, but now I'm worried that that it, I have very false memories of that film. If it's not as good as the Presidio, I think I might be in a minority. I think a lot of people enjoy Batman okay. Returns. Don't don't come at me, okay, y'all. Fine, fine, fine. I'm not okay. <laughs> um, don't, don't at me, as the kids say. Don't at it me, as I say. Don't bat me. Don't bat don't, me. Don't oh. bat me. Don't bum me. Um, <laughs> Well, you know, it's been a while. Uh, uh, so the the film is a very exciting drama thriller. Is it a thriller? Yeah, it's a thriller. It's, it's a sort of a crime mystery thriller. Yeah, I'd never seen it before. Oh, good god! No, um, it was one of those ones that was kind of you'd see in video shops and you'd see the cover and just think, nah, nah. <laughs> Even though Sean Connery was in it, yeah, but this is because I remember because hmm. when I was ten. Mm. Right, I would watch anything that the people I liked were in, even though if it was like I, I must have rented the Mosquito Coast twenty times, yeah, because Indiana Jones was in it, even and mm. loved it just because Indiana Jones was in it. But the Mosquito yeah. Coast is not a film for ten-year-olds. No, no, it's not. And I hadn't seen this, but because it was a just because it was a fifteen, but I definitely wanted to because Sean Connery was massive, and according to the poster, he's like about five times bigger than the Golden Gate Bridge. I was like, that's going to be a cracking film. Yeah, he fights Godzilla in this as well. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, don't know because that's a much better film. It is, isn't it? Sean Connery versus Godzilla. Uh, you nuclear little bastard! If you think you, you burst. I'm going to breathe on you after I've had a couple of Glen Morangis. <laughs> But first, you'll have to meet me in Barbados, where I live. <laughs> yeah, I'm living there now. It's, just, it's yeah. just—it's not a tax thing. It's just I need the—it's the climate for my needs. That's right. Um, yeah. So the, the film begins at the Presidio, and if people don't know, the Presidio is an army base. Yes. In San Francisco, and we meet um, MP, not member of Parliament, military police officer. Don't be sexist. Patty Jean Lynch, who's played by Vasquez. Which Mendes. is Vasquez. I've all the yeah. way through my notes, she's not whatever. Because she doesn't look like a Patty Jean Lynch. She, she looks like Vasquez. That's the biggest miscasting in this film, apart from the other one. <laughs> Vasquez is playing Patty Jean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she is, she's sort of doing her rounds. She's having a bit of a flirty. Oh, also, oh. not only is she, does she look like Vasquez and is in basically the same role as Vasquez, she even has the same joke. As mm. they do in Aliens, which, mm. the, like the other MP, the male MP, goes, if you get cold out there, give me a call. She goes, I got a jacket. It's not the same as a man. Yeah, neither are you. You know, it's yeah. the same exact mm. joke. She's, yeah. I mean, she if she auditioned for this, it's a travesty. She should have just been booked straight away. Yeah, I know, exactly. But she's, she's sort of doing her rounds on her beat, as it were. Yeah. 
and she's driving around the base and then she sees that the um there's a there's a club the gentleman officers club <laughs> the officers is, club yeah is open so she goes in to investigate and is immediately shot dead yeah, yeah. This is the first bit of bollocks because she stops at first because there's a car parked outside the officers' club and she's like, Fanny. And there's nothing funny about that. It's just a car parked outside the officers' club. And then she can somehow see from 30 yards away in the dark, Fanny, the door's ajar. And, and, she, and then she goes in and gets shot. But there's no reason she should be investigating that. No. No. And also the person, the people inside, couldn't they have tried to sort of say, oh, sorry, you know, because as it turns out later, these people are involved somehow with it. It's like, sorry, we were just locking up or... Yeah, they could have made up someone. anything. up. But I think, mm. I mean, yeah, a lot of... <laughs> I mean, it starts right here. A lot of um, what happens in terms of the, the investigation of the plot of this happens just because we've got to get to the end of this, guys. Come on now. So they, they somehow, they, they get out and they get in their car and then suddenly their car becomes like it's driven by the devil. Because <laughs> yeah. it cannot be stopped. Even though it's, chased... it's not a fancy car. It's no. like an 87 Dodge Oldsmobile or something. I don't know. Yeah. But it's like that film, The Car. It's like this thing, you can't see who's in it and it's just, every time someone's chasing them, it's all the, the omen, that like suddenly pipes will fly down out of the sky yeah. and crash into them and... It goes. It's fully Blues Brothers physics as well. Yes, yes. Uh, so they end up crashing. The, the, the military police chasing them in the base crash. They get outside of the base and some policemen chase them in a police car, obviously. And they crash and die. Yeah. And then the car gets away. It gets away by... Don't they crash into a car? Oh, no, no, no. The, so the police were chasing them. They, they hit a car exactly sideways. Oh yeah, they do the ramp thing, but and they do the ramp thing. Sense. There's no yeah. reason. It fly even like imagine a car hitting the car side on, and yeah. also apparently having a spring under it because it just properly mm. does the flyover, and that sounds yeah. like oh, I, and that makes it feel like it's going to be a much sillier film than it is. Yeah. Whereas in fact, it is very much. It's it's this is kind of the first of Sean Connery's cycle of films that really took him up to the end of his career, really, which was mm. films that were kind of the movie equivalent of. Of like airport paperback thrillers, yeah, and it's very much that. It's not, it's not particularly anything. It's, 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 it's. This movie is fine. It, uh, it, without him in it, it would be dreadful. By the way, yeah, and maybe we'll talk later about the other people yeah. they were going to cast. But he very, mm. he's the only thing that makes this movie watchable, particularly because it's not the plot, yeah. it's not the supporting characters. No. I thought it was going to be a bunch of silly car chases, like this first scene suggests it's going to be. But this is kind of all you get. You get a little bit of the old. Like the legally mandated San Francisco jumpy up and down of the hills chase later, but this mm-hmm. is this is a very daft opening scene. I liked it very much, but it promises yeah. a film that it doesn't then become. Yes, yes, exactly that. Um, so because the police have been killed, um, we then go and see the police station. We don't go and see it. We then cut to the police station, where Don Calfer from Return of the Living Dead oh, yeah. is, is being um, questioned. And then feigns a heart attack. Yep. And then, as he's whole, he then, as the police officer's like, "Oh, I was only kidding, calling you an asshole." Mm-hmm. As he's checking him, Kalfa leaps to his feet, grabs the police officer's gun. Just as Mark Harmon walks in, Mark Harmon, eighty sex symbol, everybody. Mark, yeah, Mark, a friend of mine used to play a game with with actors called If Wet, 
And you know, like right. when, if you're going to have a if something happening at a scout hut and it goes, it'll happen on the field, but if wet, inside the hut. And he used to play this game with other actors. And Mark Harmon is the, is the if wet version of almost every other leading yeah. man. He's like, if wet, Tom Cruise, if wet, Mark Harmon. Well, in actual fact, I mean, uh, that's true because he's the if wet Don Johnson, isn't he? And he is the, in fact, yeah, because Don Johnson didn't do it. Yeah, Don Johnson was committed to Miami Vice, so he couldn't do it. So they drafted in Mark Harmon. Now, I only knew Mark Harmon when I was growing up from a film called Summer School. Have you seen that? Was that was that a sort of a sex comedy? I seem to remember him. S- sort of. It was him teaching kids in summer school, and they were all weird characters. And it's directed, by, of all people, by Carl Reiner. Oh, in that case, oh, that's that's a shame. No, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of, I, you know, I'm thinking of the Kevin Costner, which is the other version of Mark Harmon, which was Sizzle Beach USA. Oh yeah, that's a sex comedy. Yeah, yeah. But summer school's more like a kind of breakfast club mixed with police academy sort of thing. Um, but yeah, Mark Harmon's the teacher, right? And Kirstie Alley's the other teacher who he who falls for him. Okay. Because he doesn't really know what he's doing because he's like a PE teacher that's been drafted in to do. I think English or something. Anyway, anyway, I won't dwell on that because it's a terrible film. But yeah, so he's he's in this and he's called Jay Austin, and he's got snakeskin cowboy boots. <laughs> he's he's got snakeskin cowboy boots and a uh, the the Letterman's jacket, yeah. which is was uh, just like Martin Riggs in Lethal Weapon. Because exactly, yeah, exactly. Because that was the I believe in the eighties there was actual police uniform was Letterman's jackets for all California police and cowboy boots. Yeah. And the cowboy boots, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he had his feet up on his desk, which means you know that Mark Harmon doesn't take any shit. No. Uh, he, they gave him the rule book. And you know what he did with it, Dan? He, he threw probably it out had the window. Made into, did he throw it out the window? I was going to say, yeah. No. What were yeah. you going to say? You had it made into what? A pair of boots. But then he oh. remembered he had the snakeskin ones and they look mm-hmm. better. Yeah, the ones with the rules all over them are bad because everyone could read yeah. the rules while he was yeah. kicking them. Oh, with that said, though, uh-huh. <laughs> something that comes up in a minute, we find out he's the, what a moron is this guy. In his wallet, we found out he's got a bunch of cards with his name on, which you would have. It's a business card and uh-huh. his phone number. That's fine. You've got to reach yes. him at work. Yes. And his home address. His home address. What yeah. moron cop is walking around with tons of bits of paper with his fucking home address on it? A really stupid policeman. A really stupid policeman. But he 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 stops the Don Calfer hostage situation. By calling him an asshole. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Now, and that's because he got the rule book back out the window and he checked. Yeah. He goes, oh, you're supposed to call him an asshole, by year. He said, by year. He, <laughs> said, um, he says to him, uh, go on, shoot me. You haven't got the balls. And he stands, he walks him down. He comes right down into his face and then Calfer drops the gun. So, you know, he's a real good cop. Yeah, he must be, yeah, yeah. It's this, almost like he's, he's got a death wish and he's a lethal weapon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to say, this feels like, you know when they put when they tweet something like, I made a computer watch 100 hours of police siege <laughs> scenes and told it to write its own, this is what came out. Definitely. This. So the reason he's been given the case is because he used to be in the army three years yes. ago. Uh-huh. And they said, oh, you because you know the base. It's like, well, that's not enough of a fucking reason. No. And he is right. The guy you'll be talking to over there is a guy called Colonel, and he's like, Caldwell? Yeah, oh. I know him. I don't like him. Yeah. And straight away his boss should be going, well, I'll give it to somebody else, man, because that's yeah. clearly that's clearly going to be an issue that we don't need. Yep. Yeah. End that's, of that's, movie. That's a clash. We can't have that. Um, but then he goes to uh, Caldwell's house, and he's not in, and he sees Meg Ryan. Yeah. I, Yeah. 
And then she says to him, as they're having a little flirtation, he sat down there and she says to him, is it hard? Oh, I hate He's, this scene. He says, is what hard? She says, being a policeman. And he goes, oh, yeah. I just thought, oh, God. I, I, I Weirdly, I don't know if you noticed who the screenplay's by. No. Dick Emery. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is awful, but I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he says to Meg Ryan, look, your dad's going to be home soon. Uh, he's going to say, tell you that I'm a jerk. Uh, but do you want to come to dinner with me? Because I fancy you. Well, yeah. We, we, cause they, so we've already had the scene with him and Sean Connery not getting on. And it's not exactly the scene from Heat. And Well, no, he comes home in a minute, doesn't he, Connery? Well, he's already, he's already talked to him at the... Um, they've already had the little pissing contest straight away. Oh, yes. Yeah, and sorry, and Sean that. Connery does that. He, I mean, just just terrible dialogue, which... Yeah. Which is you. <laughs> this is the thing. It's that they say in films all the time. You watch your mouth, or I'll cut your balls off and serve them up for breakfast. That's right. Like, yeah. who? Why is that a threat that people are still using? No one's ever done that. Why doesn't someone do it just to make it not a trope? <laughs> so I see, like the next morning, it's Sean Connery making yeah. breakfast for, for for his daughter. Dad, what are these eggs? No, guess again. <laughs> they, miniature haggis, you're getting closer. There was a guy from work and he annoyed me slightly. And you cut off his balls and made them for your daughter. Well, when you put it like that, that seems a little extreme, yeah. But All, all right, I'll eat them. I'll you eat them then. To. I mean, it's oregano from the garden. I went out and picked them for you. I won't bother next time. I did promise you'd have them for breakfast. I can't shave them for lunch. Yeah, exactly. I said to him, don't make me out to be a liar. (laughs) Where's he now? He's in the boot of the car. He's dead. He bled. Yeah, it turns out that's quite. You bleed heavily from from a torn nutshack. I didn't know that at the time because I was going to cook him and show him, and we were. It was going to be. It was much cuter before you started asking questions. What are you doing with the body? Well, I guess that's lunch. True. Uh, fine. Yeah. And scene. And <laughs> um, so, so Connery comes home, and uh, he tells him that the gun that killed uh, Betty or Vasquez Vasquez the previous night was Russian. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it better slow down. <laughs> um, and then he leaves, and then Connery says, well, "What did he say to you?" And she says nothing. And then, then we get a bit of tension about how, as you said to me on WhatsApp, we're supposed to think that their relationship is more interesting than it actually is, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. there's supposed to be a bit of daddy's girl stuff going on, but it doesn't really... No, because the th- she's too old for it. Yeah. It's like she's she's probably pushing 30. I and- mean, we don't want a film where Mark Harmon asks his nine-year-old daughter out for dinner, really. No, but I think... <laughs> I'm, what I'm saying is, let's split the difference. So yes, she, yes. she'd be like 18, 19. Yeah. Because as it is, because I, I think she gives a little bit of backstory. Like she just came back from college the year before. So I'm hoping she was doing her postgraduate work. I mean, I mean from the, the appearance of how she is throughout the film, I think sex, one of those sex comedy colleges. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she studied at Sizzle Beach High. She did with Professor Steve Guttenberg. <laughs> She is. I, I would say this. She is lovely. This. This is the yeah. peak Meg Ryan. Yeah. Um, and and you know she she 
it, even though it's you would call it a three-hander of a film, oh. it uh, <laughs> as I was saying it, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I, oh, oh, damn it, damn it, damn it, missed that one. Um, but <laughs> but she and she's doing perfectly good work. It's just it's such an underwritten role. It you, it feels like they they wrote the crime like investigation mystery part and went fucking hell with twenty minutes under here. Mm. We need to put in a subplot. Should we just shove in a bird? And yeah. they did, and she's fine. Yeah, be more interesting if it was they'd done a if they, if John Thor played Sean Connery and Reese Dinsdale was the son, and they could be home to roost. Oh my god! Do you know what that actually would have been? Because I that because well, God knows it wasn't a funny show. That would have worked much better as a crime comedy. Yeah, yeah, or a crime drama. Just straight. It could have been a sequel to the Sweeney. Yeah, Sweeney and Son. Sweeney and Son. I love it. Green light. Here's all the, as Dean would say, here's all the money in Hollywood. <laughs> a Smirchbod production. Yeah. Um, so they go and see, so Connery and um, Harmon go and see a guy at the firing range who tells them that he'd recently fixed up a Russian gun, which is called a Tokarev. Oh, the, the, the thing is, hmm. the, and this is why a lot of this feels like padding, is he, these are two police officers. So it's, it's Mark Harmon is a cop. Uh, Sean Connery is the Provo Marshal, and they mm. go and ask this guy perfectly legitimate questions as part of their investigation. And the yeah. guy is very much like, I'm not telling you nothing, but you have to. Yeah. All right, then I will. And it yeah. just fills two minutes. Yeah. Right? And, he, <laughs> and, um, and, yeah, and there's a lot of that going on. It's, there's a lot of needless drama. Yes, because he basically turns out this guy at the firing range had fixed up a tocker of 9mm for Colonel Lawrence. Yes. And by the way, he's a baddie. Yeah, yeah, just... Uh... <laughs> There's no red herring here. I thought it was going to turn out that... I thought when I was watching this, he was like, oh, I recently fixed up a 9mm Tokarov for an officer on the base. And Harmon says, who was it? And he goes, and he looks at Connery, and Connery goes, tell him. I thought it was going to be that it was Connery's gun. Yeah, or something. I thought that would add a little bit of intrigue. See, no. what you've done there is present the way that this script should have been written so that it was a full-length film. Yeah. They haven't done any of that. No. All they've done is, how come this is... It, it's, it's, it's like you said, this film was running 50 minutes short, so a lot of it is slow-mo. It, it's just... They, they've just had to add stuff because they've got a complete A to B to C plot. Yeah. And they've gone... And they've, they've just had people acting dickishly rather than going, what if we made it interesting? Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, exactly. So we are about twelve minutes in, and the yeah. name of the man who did it has been mentioned as the man who did it. Yeah. So and it turns out that year. Um, this is as you mentioned earlier. It turns out years later, uh, Connery and Harmon were partners, or he was his uh, boss while yeah, serving yeah. Um, as military policeman. Sorry, I beg your pardon. It turns out that Mark Harmon and Betty Lou Vasquez they were partners. Yes, they were partners. And serving as military policeman, and um, Caldwell was their commanding officer. So they've got a bit of tense history, which is underdeveloped, to say the least. Yeah, it's it's, oh, well, but because we, we've already kind of had, um, we because Mark Hamill has a tense history with everyone. Uh, he's, he's just, he does. You have to think maybe he was the prick, right? Mm. And it's I, lo- I love actually the scene where 
we find out his relationship with Connery is done so, I want to say efficiently, but fast is more accurate. Because when he meets Meg Ryan, he, this is literally how the conversation goes, and at this speed as well. Yeah. I used to be in the army. I was stationed here. Your father was my commanding officer, but I never knew he had a daughter. I was away at school till last month. Why did you leave the army? I had my reasons. Was my father one of them? Yes, he was. You're very pretty. Is it hard? Is what hard? Your erection. You know, it, that's exactly how that scene goes. I'm because they're, so. Yeah, they're trying to jam all that. Are you flirting with me? I certainly am. Let's fuck. And that's exactly how that scene goes. And yeah. Because they don't want to do any of the important stuff about character development or no. relationship development. So they just go, oh, he's Mark Arman is he's just, he's hard-bitten and uh, he doesn't get on with Connery and he doesn't get on with this other fella. There we are, free drama. My mate bought a toaster. We go through celebrities' Amazon purchase histories so you don't have to. Keep calm and love Dom Jolly, novelty keyring, yeah, fridge magnets. Yeah, I love that. The G spot. <laughs> the good vibrations, guys. Green dot laser sight rifle gun scope. I've bought that quite a lot of times. I think. Right, okay. The sex doctor's guide to keeping it hot. Ah, oh, interesting. Did another child come along nine months later? Yeah. <laughs> Loads of great apps up now and new ones dropping every Monday. That's My Mate Bought a Toaster from Great Big Al. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Connery goes home for the night. He's in his um, sports gear and he's having a beer watching telly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Meg Ryan comes down the stairs in a little dress and he's like, where are you going? She says, I'm going out on a date. And then I've written down here, perhaps you can explain to me why I've written down it, shit on a stick. 
Yeah, I was. I'm literally looking at shit on a stick on my <laughs> notes as well, because because she she storms out angry, and he goes. Oh, that's what he oh. says. Yeah, and he goes shit on a stick, and I've written down. <laughs> e- even he can't get away with that. That's right. It's it's it's, it's pathetic. Uh, <laughs> it's him being angry. That's why he goes ah, shit on a shit stick. On a stick. <laughs> that's the last line of the scene. Is uh, that should be the last line of the film. <laughs> we would have got out of it quicker, yeah. It should have been the oh, name of the film, to be fair. It should have been. been much better than the Presidio. Sean Connery, Mark Harmon, shit on a stick. <laughs> and then they're like very... Just to be clear, that's... It's not... The movie isn't me and Mark Harmon shitting on a stick. It's just the name of the film. Two men, one stick. Free? Two men, one <laughs> <laughs> And a big meal, but that's the prequel. <laughs> Move over, it's Michael Harmon. <laughs> All right, I've just realised we can just do it from both ends. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, that no, we I've we haven't got to do this sort of round system that we're doing right now. <laughs> oh no, no, not that end. You've got it on me. Um, <laughs> oh. So then they they have dinner. Meg Ryan and Mark Harmon have dinner. Oh yeah, and this this is the this is another terrible film that was written before anyone was cast. Meg Ryan says, "Some people think I look like my father." No, yeah. no. So they have dinner, and it's all lovely. And um, oh, then they fuck he, in the street. Well, he then tells her the history about why why him and his dad, her dad, don't get on. And he says that when he arrested, he arrested, he once arrested Lieutenant Colonel Paul Lawrence, who had the Russian gun, and yeah. he was rude to Paddy Jean, so he beat him up. And then when it came to a uh, court-martial hearing or a uh, d- disciplinary hearing, Caldwell, Sean Connery, didn't support him. No. So Austin was demoted, so Mark Harmon was demoted, and then he decided to leave the army. And he's held a grudge against Connery that whole time. I mean, this is, in real life, that's actually quite... If someone was telling you that story at Christmas dinner, you'd be like, oh, oh. that's quite dramatic. Oh. But it's actually in a thriller. You're like, yeah, I couldn't give a fuck. No. Because no. it's because and it and it turns out it's not true anyway. He just he just um, he just slapped slapped his hand or something that whatever later he on. He did, yeah. Well, that's what Harmon says. He says your dad says I beat him up, but I didn't. I was just excessive with him. Um, and again, it would have been more interesting if him and Sean Connery had had a fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then he'd got demoted. Then you'd have more of a grudge. It doesn't really hold water, really. It, it, cause it's weird, because this film was one of those ones that it was five or six years of rewrites and stuff before it eventually got made. Hmm. And it, But it feels like a good five or six drafts away from being finished. It feels okay. like a first draft. And we should say at this point, it's a Peter Hyams film. Yeah, who was I mean, sort of riding high at that point. He'd have a few yeah. hits. Sort of big cult hits now. Um Things like Outland, which we did a couple of few weeks ago. Yeah. And um Interesting Man did his own cinematography as well. Which which I don't know how that's even part that I explains have no a lot. Because yeah. actually this movie looks really good. It does. For for what it is, for a yeah. you know, a like I say, an airport novel of a film. Hmm. Um but I but then I feel like other things other things may have got missed while he was over there adjusting lights. I think he so, didn't. Yeah. Do you want to tell us how you'd like us to do the scene? Um just really well lit. Cheers. Thanks. Okay, action. Okay. But it's a really odd film, but then you know, he did odd films after this as well. Um I'm trying to think. Time cop, what else? Time cop. That's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, I suppose it's in keeping with his sci fi roots, isn't it? 
Yeah, what else? Oh, you you said a weird... Oh, Stay Tuned was him, was it? Stay Tuned, that was it. The next film we did after this. That is a weird... Weird. It's great fun, but it's weird. And he... And working with John Ritter, who, frankly, is just almost exactly like Mark Harmon as well. Um, Yeah, yeah. I I I don't think anyone's seen that film since about 1992, but I remember it and watched it a bunch at the time. It was a very high concept thing, wasn't it? Yeah, but I don't know if it was any good. But every time I see the, t- <laughs> every time I see uh, Three Men and a Baby, I automatically still think of Three Men and Rosemary's Baby, mm. and 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 if I see dri- uh, in my head the movie Driving Miss Daisy is still driving over Miss Daisy. Yeah, and different strokes with two men in a bed going. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> It was what was the play? It was the devil sold them cable? To leave you, but I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart. Wednesdays good at nine. Night. Three men and Rosemary's baby. The salesman said we get a lot of shows you can't get on regular TV. I've lost the feeling in my heart. All of a sudden, I can't see anything. Sundays at eight. Different strokes. The, and they yes, the devil's on cable, and they got then they get sucked into it, and I forget who it was. John Ritter and so Jeffrey Jones, who turned out later to be the actual devil, the actual devil, and the, the uh, lady in it was Mindy from Mork and Mindy. Pan was it Pam Dorber? Yeah, Pam Dorber, yeah. Pandora's oh. box. <laughs> oh, that's very good. <laughs> it's very quick. If she ever got arrested for showing her fanny in public, that would be the headline. <laughs> You're you're hoping for it to happen now, aren't I you? Am. Um so then then I'm gonna, also, do you know what? For Christmas I'm now gonna get you Pam Dorber doing a cameo where she just shows her box yeah. and then just and then leak it and then it's gonna leak. And then and then that'll leak yeah. and it'll be in the papers and you and when they don't use that headline, you can be on Twitter going, Here's what I would have said and everyone's gonna give you like a million hits. Yeah, Pam Dorber's box. <laughs> Well, if if we haven't done anything else today, we've got that down. Yeah, so that's yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, that's that's public record now. Um, so after dinner, we, we we the writers then think, what's Meg Ryan's character missing? I know. Let's make her like a, ooh, come and get me, big boy. Yeah. So she this was that era, car. though. Oh God, I forgot the way they do it. This is something they've actually gone. They have tried to do it in an interesting way. Yeah. They like have a her, car chase have, to have sex. Yeah, basically. they have a sexy car chase. Yeah. It's like Bullet, except at the end of Bullet, Steve McQueen doesn't bang bum John Vernon over a car bonnet. <laughs> Would have been a better film, though. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so they, they, she, she's like, come and get me. So they have a car chase, and he's like, where's she going? Forgetting that earlier on he gave her his business card, as you mentioned, that had his home address on it. <laughs> and there's and, a queue of murderers outside his flat. <laughs> Because he's been dropping his things. <laughs> a big queue of people with guns and crowbars. <laughs> After you uh, fuck yeah. Mac Ryan, can I shoot you in the head, please? Uh, yeah. Next time, let's go back to yours, is it? Yeah, but Sean Connery's yeah. there. I know, but there's only one guy who wants to kill me in your house. <laughs> Plus, he gets drunk and falls asleep on the roof at 12 o'clock. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, I can't wait to talk about that scene. Oh, me too, me too. So they, they, they then have this sort of weird kissing scene on the back of his car, her car. Um, she the kiss. She then rips his shirt open. Another kind of look. The ladies being all forceful. Yeah, such nice change. So then he grabs her with her legs around his waist, and sort of penguins his way up the stairs, <laughs> or like you know, like 
um, Porky Pig when he's got a towel on. Does that. All upstairs. And then when he drops his gun and we get this huge close-up of it. And I thought, oh no, someone's going to steal that gun. And frame him. For- no, he picks it right yeah, up. Yeah, he picks it right up. <laughs> what a weird close-up. It's Yeah, because... I- like I said, we kind of talked. I'll be honest with you, everyone. This podcast kind of continues twenty four hours a day. Now we've got a WhatsApp group. Right? <laughs> we talked about it at the time. It's, it's. He's put. Considering he's a director, why has he put that shot in? And why is the edit knock on? People are going to think the reason for close ups is because something significant has happened. Yes. Him dropping the gun and being played in the in the wide shot wouldn't matter. It'd just be a little bit of a funny thing. Oh. But close up, it's it's like they don't know how to make a film ever so no, slightly. I mean, bearing in mind he's closing in on a huge conspiracy, so his gun being nicked and put somewhere would be very good for the baddies. So I'm thinking, oh no, he immediately picks it back up. Yeah, and then they go inside and they have sexy intercourse <laughs> in and that accent, with, weirdly within in that accent. And then he's like, they, he basically like falls off her, like ah. So tell me about your mum. <laughs> exactly, I've written that as well. It's it's like the scene in what was that film we watched? What was the one uh, the kids in the hall? They're like they're having oh, a lovely candy. time. They're shagging. Yeah. They're having a yeah. lovely time, and then all of a sudden she goes, "Ah, anyway, my mother committed suicide." Yeah. All right, keep it light. He's, he's literally got a, a bunch of toilet paper, and he's wiping spunk off yeah, with his belly. He's still, he's still <laughs> half up, right? Yeah, and then he's like, "So tell me about your mum." She's like, "Oh, she killed herself when I was two. Anyway, I'm going now. Thanks. Bye." And he's like, oh, I'll finish myself off, shall I? And yeah. then, yeah. And then they go and see Colonel Lawrence. Not there, uh, Sean Connery and Mark Harmon. That, that's, yeah. That subplot gone for a bit now. Mm. So we can actually be back for the reason we rented the film, Guns and Sean Connery. That's right. Guns and Sean Connery is the name of the film yeah. now. Not um, Shit on a Stick. Shit on a Stick, yeah. <laughs> uh, that was just the tagline. So they go into Colonel Lawrence's office, and on the way there, Connery says, look, I'll do the talking. I, You have got personal grudges... I will do the talking. And they get in there and Harm just goes, give me the gun, asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then they basically explain to him about the Tokarov gun. And Lawrence says, that, he says that, you know, she was killed with that pistol. Lawrence is the, still the registered owner of a Tokarov. He says that he lost it in a poker game. Yeah. And then Harm is like, you lying piece of shit. Well, no, actually, to be fair, he goes, I lost it in a poker match. He goes, to who? And the guy goes, none of your goddamn business. Mm. It absolutely, literally is. This is part of a murder investigation. Mm. It was Lord Lucan. <laughs> this goes all the way to the top. Or the bottom. You know, it doesn't, you know. Mm. It was Prince Andrew. <laughs> it is. I, he, he had no tells. He didn't sweat. He didn't sweat. This is going to go all the way to a Pizza Hut in Walthamstow or wherever the fuck it was. Woking. Woking. Oh. It was Pizza Express as well, Dan. Come on. I'm so sorry. Keep up, even though it wouldn't, didn't actually happen, but keep up. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they, they then have to leave his office because Harmon's causing a right old stink. And Connery says to him, look, you know, you, we can still find out if that gun was used. He's like, well, how? And he goes, well, we go and find the bullet at the firing range. <laughs> I love this. And they go to the firing range and they dig the bullet out from when it was tested. A lot of things have to come together. You remember that gun we mentioned yesterday? Is there any chance that when you were fixing it that you happened to test fire it? Yes, even though this was weeks ago. Yes. Do you have any of the shells left? Yes, I do. That's a bit of luck. It's in that bin over there. This is a military base. How many spent bullets do you think they go through? It'll be in that bullet bucket over there. Yeah. 
He goes, yes. And they just go, this one? That's the one. That's the one. I recognised it because it had a blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. And then he says, look, I'll make you a deal. I'll give you this bullet. You can get it tested. But the deal is, if it's the match, you go through me. And if it's not, you get off Lawrence's back. <laughs> and he's like, fine. Fine. So then they find out that uh, Mark Harmon finds out that the getaway car that was used was registered to a civilian businessman called Arthur Peel. Yep. Who owns a holding company. Yep. They go and see him. Have we have we missed a bit? Oh no, there's a Jack Warden Museum bit. This this is yeah. Yeah, but just to be clear, it's not a museum dedicated <laughs> of Jack to Jack Warden. This is obviously uh this I mean, is Why the, isn't there a museum dedicated to Jack Warden? I do you know what? Can you imagine? I'd love to have my picture taken at like the table from Twelve Angry Men. Mm. That'd be I don't know. I'd put that on Twitter and like cool people would go, oh nice. Um, yeah, so Jack Warden is ex-military, and he runs a museum, a base on the museum. No, yeah, yeah, a museum on the base, and there's just yeah. kids, kids come to get to see um, Vietnamese war memorabilia. Yes, okay. And one of the, one of the kids is like, "Hey, what? This war won't weren't interesting." And Connery comes in and goes, "Yes, it was, because this man is what they call a fucking hero." He doesn't say that. <laughs> he says, "This man shaved my life." Or I shaved his life, one of the two. He he shaved my life. There was a wounded officer, and then he, like, wink, wink, it was me. Spoiler. And there was 40 or 50 Vietnamese guys, and um, basically he just shot them all. This is quite a gruesome story to be telling seven-year-olds, but he also carved them up with a knife. It doesn't matter, I'm getting too much into it. And <laughs> he, gave them, he gave me their balls for breakfast. And, and ever <laughs> since then, it's... Every morning I'm like, I fancy something, but I don't know what. And I'm just like, fucking Vietnamese bollocks. Mm. Mm. So I'm going to pour some wine. Oh, I might have another, no, I might have another gin. Go for it. Oh, no, it's in the other room. I can't be bothered. Oh. I, oh, I'm in a nice place. I'm in a very nice... Um, I mean, <laughs> it's like a seance. <laughs> <laughs> he says he's in a nice place. <laughs> these bits in i don't know if you leave these bits in i'm gonna now okay <laughs> just to make it more natural also that was quite a nice joke and i enjoyed yeah, it yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so after the museum bit we he he then it turns out jack warden is like his confidant yeah he's his best friend because he because so this is he was um sean connery's subordinate during the vietnam war but he saved yeah. him jack warden's the one who Saved, 40, saved Sean Connery from 40 or 50 Vietnamese. And then, weirdly, one of the um, things on display in this museum is a gun, which is the gift that Sean Connery gave Jack Warden, because hmm. it's important later, sort of. Uh, he'd left and, him... And, and Jack Warden's uniform as well. It's like, get, get over yourself, mate. Yeah, who the fuck are you? Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, I, imagine, I think that pro the story you're describing probably happened every other day in Vietnam. Hmm. It was Vietnam. And here's Lincoln's hat... Mrs. Lincoln's bonnet and my army uniform. <laughs> Who are you? I work here at the museum. <laughs> here are my shoes, a fork I used for breakfast once, some balls. Some, only half eaten. Uh, uh, but there's weird, weird blocking here. They kind of do a circuit of uh, a figure eight of the museum. They do, they, uh... But the camera kind of goes sideways as they, and they go out of shot a few times. It's like, it annoyed me a bit. 
It was. I mean, I wonder if they were just trying to get a master, and they thought, "Oh, we'll get the close-ups later." And it was like, and then both of them just went, "I'm 65, and I need a pesh." And I, well, I guess we're done for the day then. <laughs> I like the way the kid also, by the way, says, "Did we kick ass in Vietnam?" And they're like, <clears throat> and also, Connor, he says. Uh, I'll get you in the next war, you Scottish bastard. It's like, oh, he, he says, I, he says, I should have left your Scotch ass in that jungle. Yes. Uh, that's right. He goes, Scottish. Scotch is a kind of drink. Yeah, you mean Scotsman. It's like, oh, banter. It's yeah. just a waste of dialogue for a minute. And then he says, and then I think Sean Connery says, oh, oh it's a recap scene. This isn't it. Mm-hmm. It's just because we're about half an hour in. Just in case you've lost interest, here's where we are. And Jack Warden says, remarkable dialogue. He says, I don't like that Lawrence. He's a monkey dick. Mm. Which... It I turns mean, out we all are, really. Yeah, technically are. Yeah. And part of me was like, oh, wait a minute. Hopefully there's a spin-off where there's a monkey detective. <laughs> well, the spin-off I want from this, I mentioned to your WhatsApp, is because Meg Ryan's in it, it would be much better if Mark Harmon was miniaturised and put inside Sean Connery. <laughs> And what was the slight twist on the format that you'd suggested? That he didn't get miniaturised enough and had to be kind of shoved up his ass. <laughs> so he's just like about 33% of normal Mark Harmon size. And yeah. he's been like buttered up and then inserted into Sean Connery's arsehole. That's right. And he's like, I wonder his pair of small shoes comically sticking out the whole time. <laughs> well, right up to the knees, I thought. Right up to the knees, perfect, yeah. Sort of waggling. <laughs> but alas, that's not to be. And that's end of part one of this episode of Smirchpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And, you know, why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time. McDonald. And I'm Ellie Gibson. And this is our new show, Extra Life. It's basically us talking to funny people about video games. When I was a kid, it was Grand Theft Auto. There's Sinclair ZX Spectrum. We talk about the games people remember from when they were kids and what they're playing now. Guitar Hero. The Last of Us 2. Combat on the Atari 2600. No, I love Pokemon. Anyway, find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Extra Life. GreatBigOwl.com
Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big. 